Thank you so much for joining me this week. We're going with part two of the Sean Jenkins virtual events episode. If you haven't heard part one yet, go back and look at the previous episode. It's some gold. There is some gold in there. Sean is a rock star for doing this. She's the marketing director ANZ of Genesis, which is a company that delivers 70 plus billion remarkable customer experiences every year for organizations in over 100 countries through cloud and AI. And Sean has 14 years experience with B2B marketing strategies. And she's recently engaged us to help her through the virtual events and pre-recorded videos, on-camera training, scripting, messaging, improving webinars. That's a whole bunch of stuff that we've been able to apply to her, which has been great because it's such a new thing. And if you're a marketing executive right now, looking at what to do with your event, then you gotta listen to this because virtual events is certainly going to be something that if things don't quiet down, this is gonna be it for a while. So now is the time to look at ways to innovate and to improve the marketing capabilities by providing an on-demand experience for your attendees. So let's pick up from last week with part two of the Sean Jenkins from Genesis interview. Hi, I'm Chris Schwager and welcome to Video Legend in the Making on LinkedIn, YouTube and your favorite podcast. I believe one of the most valuable mediums in business is video. Videos that lead your audience and inspire them. Your journey to be a more purposeful and connected video legend starts now. You've brought in media from virtually all over the world. We've, we helped you with, with crews in Brisbane and, and Auckland for pre-recorded content and panel discussions and lots of stuff here in our studio in Sydney. What was the realization where you go, okay, we just can't do one hour keynotes anymore in this, in this environment. We're going to have to snap it up. What was the moment you guys went, this is the way it's going to have to be? Yeah, I think it was quite early on. Um, I think we, myself and, um, my colleague um, Mel, um, we who we organised the event together, um, we had a, quite a few conversations about this when we were starting to structure the agenda. And I think you know we both realised pretty early on that it doesn't work, as you said. You know, doing a forty-five minute keynote presentation like you would do a physical event just doesn't translate well um, in a virtual event because of the whole attention. Um, you know, that we talked about the, the engagement and the expectation of the audience to sit and watch 45 minutes of the same person talking to them. That's clearly, um, it's not how we consume digital content. So, um, so yeah, you know, for, for us, um, it was a different, it, it was quite different in structuring the agenda because we realized, okay, we, you know, we'd normally have X number of hours in a physical event to get messages across and we want to cover this topic and this one and we'll have this person speak and this person speak. So, in a way, it, we had to be quite ruthless with, okay, what content is really, you know, what's the most important content and, and what do we, you know, 100% have to include um, and what is sort of a, a bit more of a nice to have and, and also then the content that is the really important stuff, how do we condense that? Um, so, so yeah, there was um, a lot of discussions around that. Um, the, the other big questions were... Um, were sort of well like I touched on before about the um the the recording of it and how we were going to present that and we were quite um 
you know, keen that we didn't just have the same style of presentation one after the other after the other, you know, someone talking to a camera um, for, you know, however long. So it, it, it was very much about how do we mix up those, um, those session formats? How do we, um, so we had, like I said, we had customers just being interviewed on screen for three minutes very quickly, um, mixed in with B-roll footage to make it um, a little bit, you know, a little bit more engaging. Um, we had the kind of um, panel discussions with quite a few participants, um, the, the one-on-one we call them fireside chats, but, you know, whatever you call it, Q&A. Um, so, and then a few of the more traditional ones where, yes, there are, there is, you know, some slides and, and we're talking you through them. Um, so, so yeah, I would say pretty early on in that process, we, we sort of knew that there, that, that we need to make sessions shorter. Um, we have a lot less time to convey the messages and um, yeah, that really to, to engage people, it's, we're going to have to kind of up our game in the, the actual production stakes, I guess, a little bit more. And that's why we decided we definitely wanted to work with um, a company like you guys to, to help us do that. With so much media coming in from, from all parts of the globe, what were some of your parameters or guidelines to those people? Like, you know, it's expected that somebody could buddy shoot it on their iPhone or with some crappy background or just, you know, the quality is is not necessarily always going to be there how do you set those guidelines for people yeah look i mean we did um yeah like you said we had content coming in from lots of different places so from um some of our um teams overseas from um some of our sponsors um, and partners who weren't able to come into a studio and record with us. Um, so we did create a kind of standard little guidelines pack that we sent out to all of them to say, you know, um, obviously trying to have good lighting, um, <laughs> trying to, um, and all this stuff I'm saying now, I'm kind of looking at myself going, God, have I, have I actually uh, adhered to this today? <laughs> but, you know, having good lighting, having um, decent audio, um, you know, we we didn't insist on using, um, you know, virtual backgrounds or anything like that because um, I actually think now during this whole, um, you know, the whole way we've all transitioned to working from home, people are quite used to seeing people in their homes just like I am now with, you know, all the clutter that I have behind me. Um, so I didn't, we didn't want to make it that it had to be, you know, your corporate background, quite sterile. Um so, but yeah, definitely we, we did ask, you know, for people to really pay attention to um, lighting and audio. Um, but, you know, I think, I think most of the time people now, um, I think people have become a bit more conscious of that because we're all so used to it from the, you know, the millions of, um, of Zoom or Microsoft Teams or whatever, you know, calls that we're doing every day. I think, I think on the whole, people have... Um, become a little bit more savvy as to what what looks good and and what doesn't <laughs> well before we go to to questions that's your cue mr southall there in the background if you want to up the ante on your videos your live videos your pre-recorded videos videos and email sales messages the list goes on and you need to really start to think about how you do it with ease, speed, and scale and avoid the heavy costs of hiring video marketing, video production company, but improving the quality. Then you really need to start thinking about 
the DIY program by Ridge Films. I'm going to do a quick little advert here and we'll get back to Sean in just one second. The Ridge Films DIY desktop video studio is the ultimate way to produce professional do-it-yourself videos with ease, speed and scale at your home or office while at the convenience of your desk. Simply a push of a button turns your studio on, ready to record personalised video messages, stream video events and record regular social media updates for your market. Inquire with Ridge Films today. And let us demo for you. If you're here in Sydney, we can basically come in and, and let's have a have a look or we can do it virtually. And also we're shipping everywhere now. We've just got one getting built in the background and, and on its way up to Queensland. So please reach out if you'd like a bit, a bit more information and you'd like to improve everything from hardware through to presenting on camera and how to get your videos out to the market and leverage for years to come. Sean, back to you. Thank you so much for your patience. What was the feedback from audience attendees and sponsors? It was really good. Um, you know, I think with any event, when you hold it, you're always, obviously, whether it's physical, virtual, you're always putting it, putting it out there and hoping that it all goes well and there are no major hitches and that what you've planned actually does come off as you intended it to. Um, look, it, it, it was fantastic feedback. Um, we had um, just over, just under a thousand live attendees over the two days. Um, so that was from, I think it was just over 1500 registrations, which we ended up on about a 62% live attendance rate, which is, you know, phenomenal. It's actually really high. Um, so, you know, and then the and then the event itself is available on demand afterwards, all the content, so we can still keep pushing that out to um, our uh, audience to to try and um, get further engagements. But, but look, in terms of feedback, I mean, um, the one of the big things for us was our attendees actually rated this event as highly as our physical events. So we send out a post-attendee survey um, and we ask them to rate, you know, all different elements of the event and the overall experience. And our scores for the overall experience, um, I think for this event, it was an eight and a half out of 10. Now that's what our score usually is on our physical events. So, um, and I think that's pretty amazing when you consider that in a physical event, you know, there's all the fun activities of, you know, maybe the uh, the party at the end, you know, there's there's the networking and all the face-to-face -face engagement that you have with different people that can really contribute to your event experience. And when you think all of that is taken, you know, the, the that that kind of maybe the fun of that side of things is taken out of um, a virtual event, we were really pleased to still to get that same um, score. Um, look, I mean, and one of the words that kept um, that kept coming up in the feedback um, when we kind of asked people for verbatim feedback about, you know, what they thought of it. One word that kept coming up was slick. And I, and that was something that um, was, was great to hear. And I really think that, um, you know, having worked with you guys with Ridge Films on it and um, recording so much content with you really contributed to the, you know, that, that verdict from our attendees that it was slick. Um, you know, there was there was other things that went well, and I think helped it. But you know, I really think that it did it did work for us in that um, giving that real professional polished edge. Um, and, and Chris, like when we first started working with with you at the beginning, you said that the whole idea was to create bingeable content. You know, the and the whole Netflix 
world um people want to keep watching and the engagement statistics from um from our main stage sessions which like i said were an hour and 15 minutes um in total made up of lots of different sessions which we mostly filmed with you um you know those engagement stats i think show that it actually was bingeable people stayed online people did watch it um so so yeah look i mean i think um overall it, we we got some really great feedback we got we got some really good feedback about um, from attendees saying, you know, that they were just really happy that we did actually go ahead and hold an event, you know, albeit virtual. They said, you know, it was great that um, that it still went ahead. There was um, some really good feedback from attendees who said, you know, I can never attend. I normally can never attend your G summits because I can't travel or, um, you know, I can't take the time out the office for two days. So you know, for, for them, they said it was fantastic that it was virtual because I could take all the content away um, and, you know, still I was able to, for the first time, attend the event. Um, so we kind of attracted different people to the event who wouldn't have normally come to our physical events. Um, and one of the, actually, one of the other interesting questions that we asked in the post-event survey was um, wh what people, whether people preferred virtual versus physical. Um, so people still... Our attendees who who responded to that survey, um, forty two percent still preferred the physical event, and twenty five percent preferred a virtual event. And then thirty three, about a third of people had no preference; they they just wanted the content. They didn't care in what format. But so you know, I think it's still really um, it was still really interesting for us that the event got super positive feedback, great scores, but um, forty two percent of those people still preferred a physical event. So you know, I think it's. It, it sort of tells us that like it's uh, virtual events are great, but physical events are also great. And I think that um, you can't replace, you know, you can't completely replace the, the engagement and the, like we talked about that face-to-face -face networking in a physical event, but virtual events definitely have their place um, now, I think for good in the, um, in, you know, the marketing mix for, for, for a lot of companies. Well, it sounds like there could be lots of hybrid activity, not just in the event space, but in marketing in general, and certainly the way that people conduct businesses moving forward. Um, back on your binge-worthy Netflix economy uh, discussion, it was a collaboration between three key parties, and that was your events company, you and, and us, and how we create some corporate cohesion using the Genesis guidelines and creating some consistency around the world, the look and feel. So I really have to pay tribute to the graphics team there at Conference Works and the work that they've done in terms of designing some of the backgrounds and artworks and stings and bits and pieces uh, throughout the throughout the uh, content which does make it more engaging, more slick and sort of interesting. And we can then go ahead and shoot everybody on green screen, which then means that we can pop those design backgrounds in and, and bring it all to life that way. And instead of having some someone's crappy boardroom in the background. So look, um, thank you so much. We're going to have, we know there's a couple of questions come in. So let's uh, get on uh, to Brandon now. Thank you, Chris. Hello, Sean. So we Hello. have some questions from the audience. <laughs> We've got a, a question um, from Aidan Boyce, uh, just relating to budget. You know, how did the virtual event budget compare to you know your, your normal physical event? Um, so it was less. <laughs> it was uh, you know. 
it, it was less, it was quite significantly less than what we would spend on a physical event because, um, you know, once you do take out, obviously, the the actual kind of per head cost of um, hosting attendees at the venue, you know, that's that's obviously a big, um, that's obviously a big cost. So it was less, but having said that, um, <laughs> it it was less than a physical event, but it was probably a bit more than I anticipated at the start. So, um, you know, there were things that, for example, the fact of um, of working with you guys, um, you know, that we decided to do that, that obviously added some additional costs. Now, you know, for me, it was absolutely 100% worth worth it. You know, there was no, there's no question. But yeah, you know, if if you didn't add that to it, yes, it would cost less. Um, but you know, that it's not it's not free. So you you. The, on the working on the actual virtual event platform obviously that costs mm. um the actual the promotion costs you know did lots of paid social um and paid um digital display advertising um you know working with um yeah doing doing kind of the promotion of it so um uh yeah it was i, I would probably say i'm trying to think how much less it was it was it was probably about um uh, probably about for about 25% of the cost of our physical event that we would normally spend, the, the budget that we'd normally spend on the physical event. I think we spent about 25% of that in the end on the virtual event. Excellent. Now, that, that's good to know. And um, and you've kind of already touched on this, but but how, how did you actually promote the event and how was that different to promoting a, a physical event? Yeah, so we um, so we promote the event through various different ways. So um, you know, obviously, the one of the biggest ways is to our own um, database. So we, you know, our own customers and prospects and partners through email marketing. Um, that we a big part of our promotion is via our own sales team. So um, you know, they they're going out there and talking to their customers and prospects and you know um that way but then we also had um a big digital marketing um campaign for it as well so yes like i touched on we did a lot of paid um social advertising um mainly across linkedin um obviously organic social as well um paid display advertising we also work with a few third parties in our industry to do um promotion by them as well so a few different publications that have um you know the right audience that we're trying to get to so um so yeah they were the they were the main ways that we um that we promoted the event yeah beautiful uh, we've got raz on the line as well so i'm going to patch him in now there he is raz who are you and what is your question for sean please well, I mean, there's only one Raz, so Raz or Dazzle. Um, <laughs> and obviously by saying that, you can tell I'm in digital marketing. Um, so, see, I had, I had two questions, so I hope you don't mind. Because one of the things I love, and just just on your previous earlier, you made a comment about lighting, so don't look behind me, okay? You can tell <laughs> my lighting's pathetic here. Uh, <laughs> but I wanted to find out, what would if you had to change anything, now that you've been through your first, uh, you know, run, what would you change if you had to change anything? Because that's, that's what I love. I love the fact learning what do we learn from what we've done and that's for every market campaign we do, that's one of the things we do lessons learned right after the campaign. So I'd love to hear what would you change if you had to? Yeah, so um, actually something that um, we didn't really touch on in the discussion just now, but um, the probably the thing we ch I would change or um, look to 
do slightly differently was the mix of pre-recorded versus live content. So we did a mixture of both, but we we leaned heavily more towards pre-recorded. Um, mm. So as I mentioned, we had our main stage um, uh, on each day that was all pre-recorded um, that we did with with um, the Ridge Films team. And then we had um, breakout streams. So we had, I think it was four streams running concurrently um, for about an hour and a half with with half an hour sessions in those streams. And they were a mixture of live and pre-recorded um, sessions. Now, I think, um, you know, I would, I would definitely like to add more live sessions into the, um, into yeah. the mix. I think, you know, from, from an engagement um, perspective, you know, it is having it live does feel different to the audience, you know, knowing that that person who's on screen there is talking to you right now. Um, and obviously, um, you know, from the, from the Q and A side, I mean, we still, even for the pre-recorded sessions, the platform we use still had a, a live Q and A feature. So you could still ask questions, um, even alongside a pre-recorded session. But I think it's quite different when it is live and you as the speaker, you know, just exactly what we're doing now, we can have that conversation and answer them live in real time, um, you know, on screen. So yeah, I think we're, that's one of the, um, probably one of the biggest um, takeaways. I mean, look, live versus pre-recorded they both have their pros and cons um obviously with live it's more it's more risky you know it's things things can go wrong technical hitches and we all know you know that that happens to the best of us um so but i think the payoff um with for the audience is is definitely you know if you can do a live session well then you know i definitely would like to try and um, incorporate a few more of those into future virtual events yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think, you know, putting yourself out there as well on live, you know, there's a connection of, of responding to people immediately when they ask questions, things like that. You feel like you're getting value. And also, not, not just that, but you were saying, you know, putting yourself out there, it, you know, is risky. But I think at the same token, if you know your subject matter, you, you'd enjoy it. It'd be challenging. My next question actually is interesting because, I, you know, I totally believe the world's changed. We have changed. We do everything differently. Did you notice the, the numbers that you got from the live events to these events? Were the numbers higher or lower? With, did you notice any? Was there a massive Interestingly, difference? they were about, it, actually, yeah, interestingly, they, they were about the same. So um, I think I mentioned at the beginning that our physical events, um, we hold two of them. So we do an Australia one and a New Zealand one. Um, and when you put them together, the total is about 1,000 attendees from across both. Um, and this virtual event that we just did one of them, obviously being virtual, um, we got about a thousand attendees. So wow. I was actually quite surprised that, um, you know, it initially that was our goal was a thousand. Um, but it was interesting that, you know, there wasn't sort of more coming to the virtual event, um, given that they don't have to travel and all of that stuff. But then, um, as I, um, said when we actually looked at the people who attended we had some quite different people attending who as i touched on because they couldn't travel and they weren't able to attend that they did um we i think we got a different we got to a um what quite a portion of a different audience with the um with the virtual event and actually that was interesting that that's what i was going to ask you as well now that you know you've got the global exposure did you notice that that you were getting a lot of attendees from international places that you wouldn't normally get from a live event? No, not so much international because, um, sorry, I've got, I hope you can't hear that. It's a big truck going past my house outside. Um, not, 
not so much international, um, but because Genesis is a, a, a global company, so we run um, we run events in all regions of the world. So for, for, for me in ANZ, this event was only targeted to the ANZ audience and my counterparts, like I mentioned um, earlier across um, APAC, they did their own versions of these events. So it was very much targeted locally at the ANZ audience. So we didn't so much get the... Um, get international attendance and you know to be honest for me that was kind of good because I wasn't aiming we weren't aiming for that um but we got attendance from different um companies and from different people within those companies who wouldn't normally have yeah have been able to travel or just been able to take the time out to come to the physical event fantastic thank you Raz for your questions that completes the question segment Mr Schroger back to you it's the Raz Show. <laughs> and uh, if you're wondering who that crazy guy was, go back to episode 21. Is your ego holding you back, committing to the inevitable transition to video marketing? Raz has got some amazing takeaways out of that episode. It's actually a two-parter. So go and check him out. He's a, he's a really, really nice guy, and I'm sure he's taking everything I'm just saying with a grain of salt. Um, Sean, just one more final question for me because I, you've, you've really covered off nicely, I guess, a little bit of the do's and don'ts and things that you've – how you've orchestrated this and even you know what you would do for next year what would you say would be maybe one thing that you could advise others on in terms of looking to host a virtual event um one thing i would say well my main thing would be don't try and do it all yourself don't try and do it all in-house and don't try and do it all yourself. Now, obviously that is, you know, it is dependent on, you know, budget and can you work, you know, with, with um, third parties to help you. But, um, you know, and this is not saying this because I'm on your LinkedIn live show, but I think that um, for, for me, one of the, the big things that really lifted the quality of the, of the event was, um, in terms of content and delivery was working with you guys. So, you know, I would, I would definitely recommend people to seriously consider working with um, a video production company to, to help, um, yeah, just, just really make that content as polished as it can be. Um, and, and that helps the audience, you know, engage with it and consume it. So, yeah, that would probably be one of the, the, the big tips I think I'd, I'd say. Well, I don't know any company that doesn't benefit from outsourced help, uh, advice, people that are in the business and a specialist in their field, and that goes for, you know, virtually any uh, business activity. Um, Sean, you, you are a sweetheart. It's been a pleasure to work with you and to continue working with you. And I would just want to say thank you so much for preparing for today's episode because it really sounds like you've covered off a lot of comprehensive stuff that I'm sure will help those that are struggling or are new or, you know, don't know what they don't know in this space. And I think what the, with the value that you've added today is really going to help them in their endeavours to continue on their marketing quest. So thank you so much for joining us today. You are a video marketing legend. 
Thank you. Thanks for having me. It was great fun to chat with you. And to learn more about Sean Jenkins, that's S-I-A-N, Sean Jenkins, connect with Sean on LinkedIn using the show notes. Be sure to also check out the amazing services they have over at genesis.com. Video marketing legend is available on your favorite podcast. Please take the time to rate and review the show and Hey, why not share your thoughts? We'd love to get your feedback. We're at show 25 or something, and we are going strong. So I'd love to see how we're tracking. Thank you to my show coordinator, Kevin Santos, Brennan Southall, Khan, Raz Khan. Oh, yeah, man. Loved having you on, brother. Thank you so much. Great questions. And to you at home, wherever you are, in your car, at the gym, walking your dog. Thank you so much for taking the time to get educated, and I look forward to seeing you next week on the wonderful, wonderful video marketing legend. (laughs) Where's my final video? Thank you so much again for watching. If you're a decision maker or marketer of a small to medium-sized business with little to no knowledge of video and would like your questions answered by video conference, not a webinar, then join me at the next video marketing workshop. It would mean the world to have you register. Go to ridgefilms.com.au forward slash events. And I look forward to seeing you. Thanks for watching. Nice.